The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to Busted Opens the Masters Class. On this edition of the Busted Opens Master Class, Bully, Tommy, Mark Henry, that's right, our esteemed staff here, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, and Mark Henry, will share some of their most memorable stories of maybe the most iconic name in pro wrestling over the last three decades, and that's the one and only Vince McMahon. Don't forget, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 to noon Eastern Time on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. But you can only get the Masters class right here on the Busted Open podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pandora. Make sure you comment, give us a good rating, and subscribe. And guys, Vince McMahon, I mean, bully... What's the first thing you think of when you hear the name Vince McMahon? Raw meat and black coffee. <laughs> and ketchup. <laughs> and, yeah, and a side of ketchup. Oh, my God. I'm sure the three of us have so many different stories, so many different categories of stories. <laughs> There's probably one or two stories that we're not allowed to tell uh, because we're sworn by the, by the pro wrestling god secrecy. Um, but I, I've had so many learning experiences from Vince, so many fun uh, memories with Vince. Uh, I, I don't even think I want to go first, though. I, I think you guys should play rock, paper, scissor between uh, Mark and Tommy to see who tells the, Vin- the first Vince McMahon story. All right. You know what? Since I am the host, right? So I'm going I'm to pick Mark, and here's why. Because Mark can say whatever he wants. He doesn't work for the WWE anymore, Mark. So Neither do we. That's true. But I'm saying most people... <laughs> that's true. But most, but most people probably relate Mark Henry as a... And, and right? I mean, as a WWE lifer. Don't get it. Don't get... Make sure you don't get this wrong, Dave. He still gets them four checks every year, <laughs> just like we do. <laughs> I... I, I there's probably I bet I bet you at some point Vince McMahon probably called Mark Henry's name down the hallway expecting Mark Henry to show up and then completely forgetting he's no longer with the company Mark but but really quick I mean I call you a WWE lifer now you're with AEW uh it's kind of strange having a new home correct You know it's really not strange it's more like um you you get a chance to, to go and prove that you know what the hell you're talking about. 
like, you know, Tommy can attest to this when you, and Bully too, when you work in the office, you, you have to placate to the masses. You can't just pick one. Mm -hmm. And I've never had to, to do that. I always got to do whatever I wanted to do or focus on what Mark Henry was, what was about. Now it's like, I want to make sure that everybody shines. I don't show favoritism. Like, and that's hard to do because, you know, as we on this show, we, we, we have our favorites, you know, guns is not one of them. No, he's <laughs> you know, we, we all have our favorites and, and that's the same way in, in, in pro wrestling. Like you walk down the hallway and there's some people that you gravitate to more than others, but you can't not let everybody have the same kind of respect. And Vince, uh, he, he played favorites because just like us, we all play favorites and Vince like men. He like he like guys to, to be respectful, but he also wanted to say, hey, man, have have a fucking set of balls. You know, like, I mean, if you, I'm, I'm not going to agree with everything you say to me. And vice versa. But at the end of the day, if you own the company, <laughs> you get to make the final call. And uh, that being said. Um, everybody would expect me to get on here and do something salacious. I, I, I'm not going to do that because for one is, it's not, it's, I don't have any animosity, uh, toward Vince or the WWE. Um, I'm going to start off. The one that was the most effective to me is my mother died and Vince knew that I was a, a mama's boy. My mother came to shows and he saw that there was, you know, I was definitely a mama's boy. And when she died, he called me. He was, he might've been like one of the first two or three people that I answered the phone. And he said, listen, I don't want you to say nothing. Um, he said, you deal with this the way that you deal with it. Don't worry about work. He said, you come back when you get back. If it's a, if it's six months from now, if it's a year from now. And I was thinking to myself, like, what? Like, he, he, they never called me for three and a half months. I stayed at home, got my check every week. And there was a level of, respect that I gave him for the rest of my career because of that day he called me bosses don't do that <laughs> they he, hey you have a death in the family in a week they call and go hey are you okay can you be at work on Monday <laughs> Shit. that's the way bosses operate this dude was like no and, and I'm not the only one he don't, he hate this. Vince going to hear this. He's going to be a little pissed because he don't want nobody to know that he has compassion, that he actually cares about uh, the people that work for him. He'll act like he don't because he's just an old curmudgeon. He just try to act like a tough guy. He is a tough guy, 
but he wants he wants the image of the tough guy more than enforcing it. And um, and I, I always will take that, you know, to my grave, like, you know, like he did for me what I know a lot of people would never get. Mark, what was like the most most fun moment that you ever had with him where you, you laughed with him or uh, did you ever see him play any p- practical jokes or did you ever pr- play a practical joke on him or anything like that? Everybody knows that I take naps every day, that I sleep. I find a dark place. I have to hide in closets. I've climbed under the bleachers. I've done everything that you can do. So Vince knew this, and he's, he, he's, where's Mark? Where's Mark? And so they had everybody out. They had walkie-talkies. Anybody got eyes on Henry? And they found me, and I was sleeping on some mats on the edge of the bleachers. Vince came out of his office, walked through the arena. Everybody's pointing. And, and then he climbs up in the bleachers, and I'm on the floor, and he has a bottle of water, and he's going, pour a little water and pull back like a little kid and water hits me and I'm like what the hell they got the cameras on me I'm looking around and I go back to sleep again and then he go (laughs) and now I'm like what the hell I thought who did that and then I everybody in the arena bust up laughing so this is on video I know they got it they're gonna release it now uh, hopefully, I, I was hoping that it would it would be forgotten, but they got me. They got he got me, and everybody was in on it. Like um, Vince, Vince has a he's a practical joker, man. Like he, you get on some of those international flights, or you get on some of those tribute to the troops. You better not go to sleep until he goes to sleep, because he's gonna get you. That's thanks for sharing that yep. one. That's a good one, Tommy. Give us some uh, Vince McMahon. First of all, your impressions of Vince McMahon. Uh, always got along with him from early ECW when we were having secret meetings, and uh, I mean, Vince is the first person I ever heard in professional wrestling. He was doing the commentating when I first saw my first ever match. Um, I remember. The first day when I actually went to WWE with the whole alliance and Paul was uh, giving Vince in, in his ear and Vince was, they were kind of having a, a heated discussion and he looks at me and he's like, how did you deal? And I go, he's your problem now. Um, <laughs> so that was like kind of set the tone. I've always had two, just like Mark, I've had I mean, one argument with him, but the rest were, and, and for a lot of people, it's pick and choose because the guy's so, so busy. But I've had nothing but like great experiences with Vince. And I also like, you know, I worked in the office. I literally shared the office next to him, which the only thing I didn't like was he would keep his office so cold. Hence, my office would be cold. And I'm a heavy set guy. I normally like the cold, but. Vince McMahon the colder it is, the higher your testosterone levels. So, <laughs> and, and I've worked out with him. I've I've had, uh, I mean, literally, like I'd be working out and people would be leaving the gym when he walks in, and I would be the only one there working out with him. And I also saw him 
when he just had his quad surgery and he's double double cast in his leg and he's in a wheelchair that's you know kind of sticking straight out both legs and he's still working out you know uh i would say for story wise for for the podcast um and and also even when i returned and even when i before when i left i had great meeting with him about why i i felt i wanted to go and even when i came back like or, or even when i every time i would visit i always like have fun and like Mark said, he's a manly man, as well as like, he likes to poke jokes and, and play jokes. I do too. And like, I would always like, you know, set up either I'm eating something that Vince sees and he would just be like disgusted about what I would eat or, you know, kind of being a little bit on the heavy set side. So it was just stuff like that. Um, and, and I've also hung out with Vince after shows where, you know, I know the business is different, but bully, Mark, myself, and we signed the contract, you know, Jack Tunney had to swear in on the PWI 500 that we can't tell all these stories because that's per, per contract and it lasts forever. Um, <laughs> but my biggest time would be um, the resurgence of ECW and John Laurinaitis is head of talent relations. I work for John and that big push for it was <clears throat> with Johnny through Shane but everything has to be through Vince McMahon's approval. And Johnny basically comes in and then I get called into the big office and they basically tell me that I'm in charge of it. I'm writing the whole show. I want this to be different. And I'm, it's just me do whatever the hell you want, hire whoever the hell you want. And this again, just for the first ECW one night stand, you're writing it, you're doing it. And I was very, very like, wow. And I remember, like sitting back in my office and I, and I called Beulah and I was like, I can't believe this. Like they finally see it in me. And like, I had uh, like this great Nirvana, but back into the meeting, he's like, this is all you blah, 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 blah. The only caveat, we don't want Paul involved. Paul was at the time hated sent to uh I, he wasn't even really doing OVW stuff. He was just, he was in the doghouse for uh, whatever reason. Don't know. And I'm sitting myself, I'm in total control. Uh, I could have been a jerk and kept Paul out, but I, I'm saying to myself, how do you keep Paul Heyman out of something ECW? And I always knew me and Paul worked great together. And I then had to devise a plan how I had to go to Johnny for, hey, how do I navigate this through the political waters? How do I get Paul Heyman booked and on this ECW show? And he basically helped me. And I would basically, again, went to Vince. And I was like, Vince, you said I'm in charge. Everything's good. But Paul has to be on it. And he was just like, you know, Paul, is, Paul was in shipped off to Nana land. But he was like, if that's what you want, you got it. And me and Paul got to work together. Uh, Paul, last minute, made a change to the pay-per-view because Vince also wanted Steve Austin involved and Paul's changes. And he was always being very, very politically correct, which he never had to be with me. But like, if you don't want to change it, I could get, I, I, you can do it. But and I was like, Paul, listen, number one, like you're putting a promo in for yourself and how could Paul Heyman not do a promo and how is that not going to benefit the show? 
And then we had the whole involvement with JBL and the WWE guys. The show came off without a hitch, but that was like my most, I don't want to say positive, but I was just like, wow, like the proverbial pat on the back. This is mine. And I ran the agents meeting and Vince just sat back and any questions by the agents. And I was, he was, Vince was like, Tommy's the agent of every match. You, you just do He gave me the ball. It delivered uh, another quick, fun story. The fire marshal, we were doing the flaming table. I'm in a suit and bully has to, we have to do a test run. So in a suit, I'm holding the production meeting, have to run down from the Hammerstein. Bubba puts a little bit of lighter fluid on the table i'm in a suit vince is up on the top floor watching i get power bombed through the table i'm like that's good and fireman's like that's it and i was like yeah that's it quick back up and, and go do the meeting after i just was uh power bombed through a flaming table vince was just like chuckling uh about it we did the meeting and the rest uh was history though bubba kind of exaggerated the lack of lighter fluid he used for the fire marshal as opposed to the barbecue dreamer he did later but uh that was when we everyone says oh you go in with this mindset and vince wants one thing but and you can't change his mind i've never experienced that uh when you promote business and what's better for business vince has always uh i don't want to say bent but been like yeah you're right for me and my my many experiences with vince and i've been i've had a lot of them uh, bully. Well, bully. I know you got stories. What do you got? I mean, listen. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mirror what what Mark and, and and Tommy think of Vince. I've I have not one bad word to say about Vince. Vince took very good care of me. Very good care of Devon. Our entire career. Um, and it's because we established a relationship with him day one. And, you know, Mark talks about how Vince is a man's man. You know, and he wants you to establish a relationship with him. Uh. If Vince smells fear on you, you're dead in the water. He doesn't want you to fear him. He wants you to respect him. And I always respected him, but never feared him to the point where he's actually tried to play a couple of practical jokes on me also. And I got right in his face. I mean, one of the, one of the ones that I remember vividly is he came up behind me at about four or five in the afternoon while all the guys in the are in the arena they're at the ring or talking or whatever it is and he waist locks me from behind right and he's trying to like kind of take me down and and mark and tommy know that he likes to play this roughhouse bullshit sometimes because he just wants to see how you react i completely no sold it and when he let go, I turned around and I looked at him and I said, if you ever do that again, I will embarrass you in front of your whole fucking locker room. And he just went, <laughs> he popped so hard because he was popping because I know sold it because I had the balls, you know, to kind of play back with him and poke back at him. And that's what he really likes. Um, the first time I met him was kind of surreal. Actually, the first time I met him was in 97 when we did that original uh, Invasion Angle in Manhattan Center. And I remember we all lined up. All the guys in ECW lined up to meet Vince. And when we shook his hand, I was like, that guy wears a lot of makeup. But he had a lot of makeup on because of, because of TV. 
And then, um, you know, our, our first meeting with him, where, where it's me, Devon, JR, and Vince in JR's office. And I looked at Vince and I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know that me and Devon are old school heels and we don't sign autographs and we don't take pictures with fans. And he chuckled and he put his hand on my knee and he said, Bubba. You and Devon will take pictures with fans and you will sign autographs. And it's like the light bulb went off immediately. Like, oh, okay, I get it now. We're in the this is a much different world <laughs> we're in. Um uh, the first uh, one of the other first times I met him, Dave, was at the airport. I, I was I was checking in you at US Air at LaGuardia, and I turned around and Vince and Linda were online right behind me. And, and I, I think I told this story at the Hall of Fame. I was shocked. I was like, holy crap, that's Vince and Linda. So when I was done, I turned around. I go to walk away, and I go up to him. I go, I go, how you doing, sir? How you, you know, Mr. and Mrs. McMahon, I'm Bubba Ray Dudley, uh, ECW. And Vince goes, I know who you are, and I'm looking forward to working with you. And I, I was shocked that the guy wow. actually knew. And he kind of tipped his hand because it was only a couple months later that we actually, um, you know, started working together. Um, I had a great relationship with him, could go in and talk to him anytime I wanted to. When it comes to, when it comes to Vince McMahon and fear, the most intimidating and fearful thing about Vince is his, the door to his office. I've seen grown men practically cry because they didn't want to have to knock on the door because they were so nervous. And then there were some of us who just waited for the right time. The, and the right time was not when he was eating. And then you walked in and you said, boss, you know, I need a couple minutes and you, you, you gave him what you, you know, here's my thoughts. Here's what I want to do. I remember one time at catering, Tommy, you were there. Raven wanted to present Vince with an idea. And this is when Vince ate in catering with the boys. He, you know, this was his time to hang out with us. What did you guys do last night? Did you have fun? You know, let's not talk about wrestling. Let's just BS and, and you know, and eat some food together. Well, he sits down and Raven starts pitching him this idea and the idea is built around the movie seven with the seven deadly sins and Raven's got page after page after page of things that he wrote down and he goes you know you know Vince can I pitch you a story and Vince did not want to hear it he just wanted to eat and he goes yeah go ahead and Raven starts, you know, reading off the paperwork and he goes, all right, you know, the character Raven, you know, is set back, you know, 10 years ago, blah, blah, blah. And Vince stops him and he goes, wait a minute, blah, blah, blah. You really need to tell me you wrote blah, blah, blah on the paper. You interrupt me while I'm eating to tell me blah, blah, blah. Why don't you pitch me the right way? And we, I lost it. Todd, we were laughing so hard because he completely buried Raven in front of the boys. He receded Raven as if to say, if you're going to bother me during, you know, during lunch, you better make sure it's well worth it. So, yeah, those are just some of the stories. One time. Oh, here's one more. One more. One more. One more. Dean Malenko, Dean Malenko comes up to me and he goes, uh, they don't want you to, he was, Dean Malenko was an agent at the time. He goes, they don't want you to throw any punches tonight. I said, what? Yeah, they said don't throw any punches. I said, Dean, who's they? Bubba, don't worry about it. Just don't throw any punches tonight. And I'm like, what do you mean don't throw punches? I, I don't get it. They don't want you to throw punches. Dean, who is they? And Dean wouldn't give me an answer. So I said, all right, I'm just going to go to the boss. And I, and, I, and I go to Vince's office, and I look in, and the door was ajar, and I could see that he was washing his hands in, in, in the bathroom of his office. And I kicked the door in. 
But Jimmy kicked it open and he startled him. And I go, what's with the no punches? He goes, oh, my God, your punches have been the shits lately. I go, really? How about I punch you right now and we see how much of the shits they really are? <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? He goes, yeah, I don't like your punches lately. Work on your punches. I was like, all right, boss, you got it. And it was that simple. You know, and he just appreciates the back and forth and the, you know, but you, you try not to do it in front of people. Right, Mark? You don't right. challenge him in front of other men. You can do it one-on-one, -on -one, but don't disrespect him or call him out in front of others. Yeah, that's, I, I could, I could second that. Like he, he, he is going to come across and you're trying to show out. Yeah. You're awesome. trying to you're show out. Boss, he'll, 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 he'll cut your balls. Yeah. Uh, I got a funny one that's also disgusting, so it kind of fits me. Uh, we're in the restroom. This is when I was on WWE Creative, and Vince is at the urinal. I go into the stall, and we both uh, pee. He washes his hands, and this was before germophobia, and this was before, uh, of course, COVID. Um, so he wipes his hands and there's no more paper towels. And he's like trying to open the door after he just cleans his hands and we're in the men's room. And this is when he, you know, they publicly said like, he always uses hand sanitizer, but back then it was kind of, uh, kayfabe more. So he's like standing there trying to open the door with his elbows. And I go, dude, I got it. And I grabbed the handle and I opened the door. And he's like, thanks, Tommy. And then I go, Vince. And he turns around and I go, and I start licking my hand. And he was like, oh, oh, you're disgusting. Oh, oh. You know what? This, this is funny that you, you mentioned the bathroom thing. Vince did not let or like anybody going to use his bathroom. They would come in and clean the bathroom with bleach. The handles, the toilet, everything. You could fucking eat off of it after. Maybe I have. And <laughs> I used to I used to tell him, man, I, I would always kind of sneak in his office and I would look and go, okay, you know, check the bathroom out. I was like, man, I love the blue wallpaper in the bathroom. He was like, every time I take a dump, I'm I'm I try to make sure that I, I look around. He said, what? I said, I was like, oh, am I not supposed to use your bathroom? And he was like, you didn't fucking use my bathroom. <laughs> I can't wait to take a shit in your office. <laughs> Vince's, Vince's office? I used, to do, I used to tell him I used his bathroom all the time. And he would be like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I was like, I mean, when you got to go, you got to go. He's like, if I ever get you in my bathroom, you're done. And, and back in the day, Dave, talking about Vince's office around the Attitude Era, he would order food in. Like, almost every day there would be um, Morton's. And there would be fillets and lobster tails and 
chicken breast, the best food from Morton's, and there was always tons of leftovers at the end of the night. So after like Raw or SmackDown was over, Vince would jump right in the limo and get out of there, and we would raid his office. Always the best food. It might have been a little warm or even cold, but who cares? Cold fillets and cold lobster tail taste great at midnight. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, I mean, you know... Again, for a fan like me, I don't know these stories because Vince McMahon is such a secretive person. The Hall of Fame, he never likes to be mentioned. He never shows his face. It's very, very rare. So it's interesting to hear these stories from all of you that worked so close with him for so many years. For me, I'm always going to remember uh, July 14th, 1984, Black Saturday, and I'll never forgive him for that. All right, so uh, for the Busted Opens Masters class, again, Bully, Tommy, Mark, thank you guys for sharing those stories of Vince McMahon. Don't forget, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 to noon Eastern time on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. But if you're cheap, like I am, subscribe here for the Busted Open podcast. You get all together, if you have Sirius, seven days a week of Busted Open Monday through Sunday because of this master's class that drops each and every Sunday. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment to the Busted Open podcast. We appreciate all the feedback, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Busted Open, the Masters. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The producers are Gabby Laspisa and Josh Friedman. Sound designed by Mary Bailon. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.